Welcome everyone to the weekly quick tap with myself, Jason, and Dr. Dup, where we look at some of the most noteworthy news articles of the week and hopefully give you guys something to discuss around the bra while social distancing and keeping your hygiene up. Dr. Dup, how are you today? Hey, Jason. I'm doing pretty well again this week. You know, as always, since it is a Friday, I'm excited. We have the, the, the Springbok showdown to look forward to tomorrow as well. So, Super, super excited for this weekend. Yeah, that's going to be a very interesting one to watch. Uh, there was a late change. Uh, Glenwood Oldboy brought on the bench at prop for Team Green, Quenzo Blose. So that's going to be good to watch as well. Well done. I still can't believe it. The man was locked throughout high school and converted to prop afterwards. We thought he was joking. And now he's here playing in a Springbok team. <laughs> we look like fools. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man probably filled out after school. You know, you know how it is. You know, if, if you want to bulk up, just matriculate. <laughs> there we go. Stop eating the border food. <laughs> but anyway, going into our first story of the week for once, the cheaters are getting themselves in the spotlight. They we're not forgetting about them or leaving them last. So, unfortunately, they're being in the spotlight for a bad reason. Is official. They have been booted from pro rugby. Uh, the four Super Rugby sides have been brought in. Now there is some good news to go along with this story. The Cheetahs have retained their franchise status, and they could potentially play a part of that Super Eight tournament uh, that people have been suggesting to consist of some uh, South Africa, uh, sorry, some Australian sides and New Zealand sides. So they would be the last. The last bit of hope for Sanzar's relationship to continue. So before we get into the second part of the story, Dr. Bip, how do you feel about this news that the Cheetahs have once again been the black sheep of the South African rugby family? Yeah, I really feel for them. Um, I mean, they had a they had a contractual agreement with the Pro 14 to still be there for a couple of years. So this is not cool on Saru's part, um, especially... At this moment, there's no way for them to go. I would feel a little bit different if Saru had renegotiated with another tournament or something where they can immediately move into it. Because now they sit with the franchise status, but they have no way to play as it stands. Uh, that is not fair on the Cheetahs as well. They've just invested to, to bring in a couple of the older players that used to be there, you know, improve the team. So I feel for them. And... Yeah, they they definitely, you know, need to fight for this. Um, I don't think they'll they'll be allowed back in. Um, you know, I I just feel that you know, like the current Super Rugby franchises we have that are going to be moving into the competition, is a bigger drawing card for fans. But yeah, they they definitely can still get some money out of this as well. When if they go to the courts and they win the case, and then you can they can take that money and go move into a different tournament. However, I'm a bit skeptical about, you know, them joining a, a Super 8 tournament with Australia and New Zealand because then once again you sit with the same problems as Super Rugby, which the biggest one is the time difference and the traveling. That will still be a major factor. So I, I, don't, I don't think that's really going to happen uh, for them to join up, um, you know, across the pond. Yeah, unfortunately, that would be a difficulty. Maybe if they could establish like a base camp uh, somewhere there. I know Australia has lots of desert. It would remind them of the free state and make them feel at home. But, you know, I'm not so sure how that would work out with the players and their families. And 
another big aspect of this is not only are they being kicked out and of another rugby tournament, the contract up until 2023 is uh, would have given them 30 million rand in revenue. So they are, of course, taking this to court. I hope they get their money paid out because 30 mil is a lot for struggling unions in COVID times. Yeah, at the very least, pay them their money, right? Uh, at the very least, they deserve that. I, st- I feel like there really wasn't a reason for them to be kicked out. Um, they were doing well. You know, Saru could have tried. They were doing well, and Saru really should have done their best to have the Cheetahs included as well. I mean, in all fairness, you know, as, as much as we need the Kings to be there as well, you know, the Kings have been a struggling union, you know, forever since their conception, you know. So that one you can understand, you know, if the Kings were to fall out because the Kings really need to be built from the ground up again. But the Cheetahs, there was no reason to let them out. They could have really done their best to keep the Cheetahs in there. Maybe just have it a Pro 17, you know. It surely could have been an option. Yeah, I'm not sure the way they play with their conference systems, anything like that. I'm really not sure how they would have worked there. But the hope in future is that Curry Cup gets treated as a qualifying tournament. The top four sides continuously qualifying for the Pro 16, and then Cheetahs have a way to get in there. And speaking about the Curry Cup, that was the second part of this announcement, is that we are South Africa shaking up how the Curry Cup is usually done. So they're going to have a qualifying tournament for the Curry Cup now, uh, working title apparently the SA Cup, which I think works fairly well. All 14 rugby unions will be involved. It will be a single round of fixtures. The final eight will go to quarters, then semis and finals to crown a winner. And currently the top, the four Pro 16 sides, quote-unquote, plus the next four qualifiers, are apparently going to be put into the main Curry Cup, which will be a double round that goes to semis and finals. And the bottom six will play in the first division Curry Cup, which will be a single round plus uh, semis. Look, what do you think of this shake-up to how Curry Cup is usually done? I think that's quite interesting. It actually gives the smaller unions, uh, you know, it at least gives them a shot, you know. If, if they perform, they can get in. So I, I like this. Um, we definitely do need a bit more excitement to come into the Curry Cup. And, you know, one way to do that is to give, you know, unions from smaller areas and regions, uh, a, you know, some something to, to fight for. And that will definitely get some interest from their fans. So I think this sort of a shakeup is good. I really like the idea that, you know, the Curry Cup needs to be used as a quali- qualifier for Pro Pro 16 as well. That's fair. You can't just have the teams, you know, just sit there at the top, um, you know, while everyone else is, uh, you know, fighting amongst themselves for the scraps. Uh, you know, open the doors for anyone. If you're good enough, you can come and play. Uh, so I like this idea. Uh, the shakeup is, is definitely needed. You know, I really hope that it does get used as that qualifier for Pro 16. Uh, one year the Greek was qualified because I want to see the faces of all those guys from... Ireland, Wales, Italy, Scotland, used to those soft, moist fields coming and playing a game on that, that Kimberley turf. I want to see their faces when they stamp the ground and the ground stamps back. Yeah, um, I feel similar for, for the people. Exactly, yeah. I mean, that's that's the area I grew up in, and that is my Curry Cup team. So I would love to see them 
you know, qualify because they also have franchise status, you know, just just like the Frequas have. So I would love to see them actually get into a Pro 16 if they can do that, you know. Look, let's be fair. It's going to be an uphill battle for the smaller unions, you know, including, you know, Frequas and, and Pumas who have franchise status. But it gives them an opportunity, you know, and, and that's the least you could ask for. Yeah, opportunity is something that's been lacking and it's going to be good to see that now in place. Uh, it'll be good to see the Kings given a way to get back into the Curry Cup. Uh, it'll be good to see teams like, you know, Falca, Griffins, all these random teams, not random, but given the chance to play in the main Curry Cup, <laughs> where before it was like a promotion relegation match that was, it was always you knew the result. So I think a tournament structure gives chances for upsets. So I'm looking forward to seeing yeah. that. But moving on to across the pond, like you said, New Zealand has revealed their Super Rugby plans for 2021. Now, 2021 is not going to be much of a surprise. It's going to be Super Rugby Aotearoa plus a final to be played between the top two teams, it seems like. And they've also suggested playing uh, home versus away matches after the Super Rugby Aotearoa with the five Australian teams. Uh, that hasn't been confirmed yet because, of course, their relationship with Australia is a bit of a state right now. But what I feel is the really interesting thing is that in 2022, they are wanting the tournament to be expanded by three teams minimum. Uh, there's, they had eight bids, four bids they have currently think are really good. Uh, they've got the Kanoloa Hawaii uh, uh, rugby franchise owned by some former All Blacks. They've got the Fiji Jura, who are based in Suva, and they recently won the Australia domestic rugby competition in 2018. And a Pacifica Moana uh, side, which will be based in South Auckland. Uh, this will be um, run by Fijian, Samoan, and Tongan representatives. Uh, a bit of a, a smaller shout to South China Lions. But the real interesting thing is that there apparently is an agreement made with the owner of the Western Force for them to be included in this uh, competition. And because of the fractured relationship between New Zealand and Australia, none of the Australian sides had bid yet to be a part of it. So this is the big interesting thing for me. The black sheep of Australian rugby may be getting in on a better competition. What do you think of all these developments regarding New Zealand's change for 2021 and 2022? Oh, there's a lot to talk about here. Um, let's start it, start it with 2021. Right. Um, right. So, so they want to have a repeat of Aotearoa, but this time they're going to play a final. Right. That means they've learned their lesson. I think it was silly of them not to have a final this year already. Yeah. You know, they just had a, a round ramen. You know, they probably felt that, you know, if you only have five teams, really, what's the point of having a final? But look, a final is always going to draw attraction and it, it adds a little bit something to that one game. You know, you have to win that final game to be the champion. Like, like it's now it's really on the line. Instead of, I mean, we don't play enough matches like in the Premier League where you can just, you know, after a while, you can just, you know, give the championship to the team that's, that's sitting at top of the lock. There's not enough matches like that, so you might as well have a final, make a spectacle about it. You know, fans love that stuff. The players love it, you know, because you say you played in the final, you won the final, right? So, so they definitely learned their lesson, right? The silly aspect to this now that they're suggesting home versus away matches against the five Aussie teams after the Aotearoa season is just silly to me. Why? 
why not just have a competition with with them in any case you know like a trans tasman super rugby if you're planning to play play them home and away in any case why not just make 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 it part of your competition because now they're suggesting to run a separate new zealand one and then to go play the aussies why not just make it one big competition uh, and it's a win-win on both sides you know yeah, personally, I believe that's just ideas being thrown at the wall to try and preserve the relationship. New Zealand, all the spokespeople uh, for New Zealand rugby are desperately trying to say they're still back, sends or still have faith in it. But I mean, SA has already immigrated. <laughs> Argentina is slowly dying off. Australia is upset with New Zealand. So I think they're facing a losing battle and they're trying to throw out um, olive branches here to the unions. Like, this is why I could see one of the teams to expand the Super Gatero being the cheaters as like an olive branch to SA Rugby. But again, it's just, I feel nah. like it's desperate plays nah. by New Zealand here to keep the relationship going. Nah. They're not going to get anything for that. That That's not how you save the Sanzo relationship. What they need to do is, um, in my opinion, I think Sanzo should just be at the international level. You know, Springboks, Wallabies, New Zealand. Right, and then you have uh, Argentina. Right, that should be Sansa. Let let the clubs and the un um and and the governing bodies, you know, work out these these uh competitions. You know, like the Super Rugby structure over there. Right, let's just have Sansa for the international stuff because we we are not planning to remove the Screenbox from the championship. We still plan to stay there. Right. But there's no reason for us to go send a team to go play in their Super Rugby competition just to keep the relationship healthy. We can still have a healthy relationship with them at an international level, right? Everyone can do that. But it just seems silly now that, you know, they're trying to extend these olive branches for clubs and so on to, to maintain good relationships at the top. Just be like, hey, let's get, let's get together. Let's talk about what would be best for all of us. Work out some sort of a structural competition where we can all benefit, you know. But let's leave the international thing aside. We have the championship, that structure works, that competition works. We keep that in place. Let's just work out what are we going to do for our franchises. Yeah, that does seem to be the best way to go about it. The, the hope for Sansa should lie in international rugby at this stage. Uh, I just, you know, it depends, obviously, on the global calendars, where that can work for us. Yeah. Yeah, let, let, let me let me jump back in. Yeah, I'm already ranting here. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, now I just lost it. But anyway, it'll come back to me, right? The the problem here is that the the international structure is there. You know, we don't need to change that. Suns are, you know, just leave the rugby championship running. The main issue, and it's coming back to me now, is that Sanzo has messed up Super Rugby. That is the issue. That is the reason why we're sitting in this whole mess in the first place. It's because they meddle too much and they change their structure all the time. So I feel Sanzo should not be involved in Super Rugby anymore. Right? Just focus on the national, on the international tournament for the Rugby Championship. Make sure that runs properly. Right? We can get. We need to get a different. Um, you know, committee or organization of the franchises coming together to to set up a new tournament now for Australia 
and New Zealand. I mean, we're going north. It's good. It's much better for us. It makes sense. We should go north. Those guys need to get into room, sort out the differences at the franchise level, and come up with a competition that's going to benefit all the involved parties. I think they really should look into incorporating other, other teams, and this is where 2022 comes in you know, to expand it. I think that is the way to go. They need to expand. Yeah, I think Super Rugby is no longer going to be Super Rugby. It'll be Super Rugby and name that's about it. They mustn't. Don't even call it Super Rugby. We need to. We need to put it to bed. It, it needs to. Yeah, let's move on. Yeah, I would suggest the Pacific Cup, but it might be too close to the Pacific Nations Cup. But yeah, in that area, getting games going, getting Japanese, Chinese teams. I, I don't even know if China is that good at rugby. So the South China Line is a bit of a strange one for me, but. Get those teams going. Focus on your area. We'll focus on our time zone. I hope, yeah, Argentina Rugby is doing something with their domestic cup now. So I think that's the way forward. And like you say, focus on international. Yeah, no, I fully agree. And um, talking about 2022, you know, with this expansion they have in mind and the bids and so forth, I like it. Um Right, let's be honest, the Y team is gonna well, I suppose time zone is not too bad on that. Um you know, but travel is a bit of an issue that I think needs to be taken into account. So why is a bit far. Um, you know, but if you're gonna have a team from China, it's, it's the same argument. Um if you have a team from Japan, you know, at, at least you don't have a time zone issue. So, you know, maybe it's not such a big factor. But the really interesting one that's come up is like you mentioned, is the Western Force, right? So not only does New Zealand and Australia rugby not have a good relationship, but Australian rugby and the Western Force do not have a good relationship. And this is where I actually think it was smart on New Zealand's part to directly talk to Western Force and say, hey, we might have a place for you to come. I think that was a smart move on their part. Um, you know, Western Force really has no obligation to Australia rugby. They know they've been booted out. You know, Australia rugby does not care about the Western Force. You're not going to tell me otherwise. So they need to do what's the best for them as well. And if honestly, if they can join up with the New Zealand teams, you're going to watch how the Western Force takes off. Yeah, the big thing, firstly, like a harder, better grindstone to play against and better yourself with in terms of the quality of teams they're going to be playing against. Plus, the owner has billions. He's a billionaire. But the problem is attracting players to a team that's not playing anyone big. Now that if you can say that you're playing the Crusaders, the Hurricanes, the Highlanders, the Blues on a consistent basis, you're going to attract those big guys who may not be getting those England English contracts or French contracts who may be going out of favour there. And you can attract the New Zealand guys who want to come back but can't get into the other teams because of the depth of youth there. So I think it could be a very interesting, fully like, like similar to what you see in the Premier League multinational team in that tournament, and they could really start competing. Yeah, I actually think um, if they get on board with this competition, they're going to be playing you know top New Zealand sides. The owner can afford to bring in top talent from anywhere. You know, it's it's not just the case of those guys who don't get contracts. Um, you know, wherever they're based, there's going to be real opportunity to draw in some big big names you know if you offer them a lucrative contract they will come like these top players embrace the professional game they go where the money is 
Exactly. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, also with the Pacific Island side, I think getting in like the Fiji Drua or Pacifica Moana side is the way to go. Get the guys who aren't playing for top European sides, or better yet, get their top sides, top guys away from those European sides that are telling their players not to play in the World Cup and threatening their contracts. Like if they are given a good quality domestic team that they can play for, they'll stop taking that rubbish from the British and the French teams that are messing with the international career. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, I'm I'm very keen to see how, you know, this whole thing is going to develop. I mean, this sounds are debacle at the moment. You know, we, we need to pay attention to because there's still going to be some juicy bits coming from it. I agree fully. The best soapy not on TV. But uh, speaking of <laughs> drama, let's get on to our third and final story. Uh, I'll I'll do a brief rundown of it, and then I'll hand over to Dr. Dup. He's busy warming up in the corner. So Exeter's Rob Baxter has called for an end to coronavirus tests for rugby players. So in the Premiership, they're currently doing frequent weekly testing of the players, and he believes that there's growing significant, quote-unquote, medical reasons for this to be discontinued. So things he's citing is that only five out of just over 1,000 tests have come back positive, uh, and these positive cases haven't led to ma- uh, mass outbreaks uh, due to what he says are the age range of the players and the hygiene standards there. And the final point, worthwhile point, I'll discuss that he says is he believes we're free up testing kits for other areas by doing this. Now, before I put my thoughts on it, I'm going to hand things over to Dr. Dup. Uh, Dr. Dup, take it away. All right. Here's my first point on this. All right, Rob Baxter, you are not a medical expert, right? So let's leave the medical arguments off the table, right? Uh, Jurgen Klopp said it best when he was asked about this. It's like, why are you asking me? There's medical experts out there, right? Now, with this point, I, I want to say, if the medical professionals tell you that you are required to do testing, just follow their damn advice, right? There's a reason for testing, and if you feel that five cases out of a thousand, right, it, it warrants to not test anymore, I think you're an idiot, right? The testing is there to ensure that we actually have a good understanding of what the situation is. It's there to ensure that if someone tests positive, we can put them in quarantine to not have a mass outbreak. As soon as you take the testing away and a player is positive and you don't know about it, what do you know? You might sit with half your squad that are positive and unable to play for you. So what's going to be worse, Rob? Right? What's worse? You want to have half your team out or you just want to have one guy sitting in quarantine? Let's be real here. Right? These are the options that are there if you're not going to test people. Right? Fair enough. He feels that, you know, the hygiene standards that are put in place, you know, is to such an extent that, you know, guys aren't going to test positive. Good. So how do we know that these hygiene standards work? The only reliable method we have available to get data to know that these hygiene standards are effective is to test the players. As soon as you take the testing away, you don't know what the hell is going on. That is the big issue I have here, right? So I, I really, <laughs> like, like, what is he going on about? Who did he actually speak to about this? Um, another thing that he also spoke about is um, he feels that, you know, because of the hygiene levels that are in place and then the age range of the players 
you know, and that where they've had some positive cases, you know, they haven't had mass outbreaks, right? Um, he, he feels that, you know, essentially making the argument that, you know, healthy players don't spread the disease that much, right? Now, fair enough, healthy players might not have severe symptoms, right? But that doesn't mean that they are not able to pass it on to someone else, right? And this is where the issue comes now. He feels that, hey, because the, the, these guys are healthy, right, we, we shouldn't really have to worry. Right? But no, they can still go spread it out. These players are not living in a bubble, right? These guys can still go home, can still go interact with people. So they need to be careful. You do not have complete control of the environment. This is not the NBA bubble where they know exactly who's there. Everyone is fine. Your, your risk of exposure is minimal. Right? So really, this argument that he's putting forth is just pathetic, absolutely pathetic, you know. So, yeah, uh, what was the other thing uh, that I need to rant about here? Mm. <laughs> knockout blow. Right, then, then you also said... Oh, what's the that? knockout blow coming. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of feel that, you know, they've they've qualified here for the final, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so they have a... They have a big game coming up and so forth. I personally feel that this is what it's really about. You know, if there's no testing being done, there's no one that can come and tell them, listen, this guy tested positive. He's not available to play. I feel that it's really, really about this, right? Um, he's, he he, he kind of made the argument to try and masters as, you know, we will save a fortune and free up a block of testing for other people, you know, if we don't test here, right? So... I'm I'm gonna kind of throw it back to you now, Jason. You know, I think this is a silly point as well. Really, uh, who are you gonna be freeing test kits up when there's enough test kits in the UK? Yeah, like that's the thing. UK isn't struggling for test kits like some other developing and third world countries are. But there's a couple of points I want to make with this. So, firstly, if I'm not mistaken, currently the UK is having the the highest daily case increases in the world currently like they are i'm looking at the graph here they are peaking now more than they peaked during the height of that first wave in daily cases it is getting bad in the uk because people like rob baxter are not wanting to do the things they they were doing to keep safe um his argument is the same as most anti-vaxxers argument where it's like this virus is barely around why should i vaccinate it's barely around because you're vaccinated. There's no low cases and no mass outbreaks because of the precautions you are taking here. It is very likely that if these precautions weren't in place and the testing wasn't in place, the league would have been shut down because half of the teams would have been out with coronavirus. And that is the matter of fact. Also, you want to do these testing and these precautions because this virus isn't just about, oh, 1% death or something like that. The respiratory and uh, cardiovascular and vascular implications of having this virus are huge. A lot of people who've had the virus months ago are still struggling to breathe. If you can't breathe, you can't play. If you can't play, you can't earn a living. And a lot of these guys, rugby is basically all they have with their career right now and with, in terms of being able to bring in money. So it's just, it baffles me. Look, I do get why he wants to do it. It's convenience. It's money. Like that is the main reason that's driving this. No medical reasons driving this. Well, and and also making sure that no one can tell the players that they can't play. You know, 
if, if they test positive. Even if they're asymptomatic, you know, you still need to isolate them so it doesn't spread to someone else. That too, exactly. And it's not just about the players in the league, it's about their families, their friends. Uh, we know in the UK, people are going to pubs a lot. You give it to a family member, your family member goes to a pub to watch a Premier League game. And that's a pub's worth of people currently infected. I mean, the UK, literally, they moved the Premier League time, uh, times for the matches earlier just so that people could still go and watch the full matches and bars. So you're doing these uh, doing all these precautions to keep the tests and the cases low. That's why you're doing it. If you want to continue, you're going to have to keep doing it. I feel he is just being so irresponsible here. Yeah. Right. Now, here's the double standard, the point I want to end off with. And this is uh, from Rob Baxter himself. He, I quote, for the last couple of weeks, the lads have been told to be extra vigilant. It would be criminal not to allow your standards to slip or to make that one mistake that means you're unavailable for the biggest games of this season. Right? There's more. He goes on about, um, you know, he, he says, actually, I'm just read it because I still think it's silly, right? The reality of COVID is that rugby players probably aren't going to be ill beyond the cold and mild symptoms but you've got to keep throwing reminders out there. Uh, for there, I'll just say, show me the evidence, right? Even if they get cold, uh, you know, mild cold, cold or flu symptoms, there's a, there's a point like these guys are going to go home to their families, right? And their family members might get a severe case of COVID, right? But just the fact that he's now saying, right, he's making the case, hey, let's not test. We don't need all these precautions, right? But at the same time, you know, he's saying it would be criminal not to allow your standards to slip or to make that one mistake, right? This is a double standard that 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 he's taking here. Uh, so why, like, why would you say this, Rob, if you feel that you don't need to test? Why would you say it'll be criminal to allow your standards to slip? Would you not be letting your standards slip if you no longer test and know what's happening? This, this, like, what was he smoking, really? Like, this is this is stupidity. Yeah, brain fart of the week definitely goes to Rob yeah. Baxter. I just want to finish off with moving on from that story, a suggestion to you and maybe to Saru as well. I've just been thinking, you know, you've got three teams with franchise status currently available who won't be in Pro 16. You've got Cheetahs, you've got Griquas, you've got Pumas. What about making some sort of African Cup to run along the Pro 16 between those teams, a team from Namibia, a team from Zimbabwe, a team from Kenya, and actually start playing like in Africa? I like that idea, and when the Kings are back up and running again, throw them into the mix. There we go. They can finish at the bottom of that league too. <laughs> <laughs> Not okay. No ways. <laughs> we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Is there anything else you want to comment on with regards to any of these stories? Any final blows you want to deliver to the man, Baxter? No, I'm done. I've, I've said what I needed to say. I'm done. There we go. All frustrations out before the weekend. I just want to say thank you. I feel a lot better now. <laughs> there we go. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for continuing to support the Bondness Rugby Network. Uh, please check us out on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Still not OnlyFans. If you want to OnlyFans, message Dr. Dupure. I'll organize it for you. <laughs> and please check us out on whichever uh, podcast platform you're using. Give us a rating if you can. And from us here at Bottomless Rugby, just want to say enjoy your weekend. Keep safe and enjoy it.
Yeah, don't miss the Springbok Showdown tomorrow. It's going to be a cracker. Have a fantastic weekend. Cheers. Thank you.